It's the Redirect Podcast. Search industry research, discussion, and analysis from the Black Truck Media and Marketing Headquarters. And now, redirecting you to the Black Truck Team. Welcome to episode 63 of the Redirect Podcast. It is Monday, December 10th, 2018. I'm Jason Dodge, founder of Black Truck Media and Marketing. Joined this week by Ashley and Patrick from the Black Truck team. Happy Monday, gang. Morning. Happy Monday. How are you guys? Good. 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 We left the beer in the fridge and decided to drink coffee on a morning to record this podcast and play a little catch-up. So. It's the 10th, 15 days till Christmas. Yes. Tick-tock, oh, tick-tock. Wow. Better do your shopping. If you have to do your shopping, get your shopping in there. Most, most of your retailers are going to have cut off this week on uh, getting things shipped. Uh, shipped. Standard ground. Standard, Standard ground. ground. Yes. Take note. So, uh, Pat, you said that you were going to kick things off this week. Sure. Things yeah. I want to follow up to a conversation that we had here uh, within the last couple of months, uh, data tracking and tracking you where you are. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so another podcast I listened to is called The Daily. It's put out by the New York Times. I recommend it if you uh, are into current events. Uh, anyways, so they did a huge expose this morning, and it's also a large uh, front page story on the New York Times today about app tracking and where you are and keeping mm-hmm. track of you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I teased you guys with a picture of a map this morning, and obviously you can tell what that map is. That is the island of Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And um, all those little lights, those dots you see right there on that map is... Uh, 235 million locations captured from more than 1.2 million unique devices during a three-day period in 2017. Goodness. So uh, every light is a little dot. Looks like daylight, basically. Yeah, it looks like daylight. It's like when you see, um, for listeners, it's like when you see a photo of a city from space, from Mm -hmm. the space shuttle or something, Mm -hmm. and you see a map, you can clearly see all the lines of the streets and everything from the uh, street lights at night. Those are phones pinging. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. That's them tracking you. Um, so, um, I'm a fan of the New York Times. Sometimes they can kind of um, overdo uh, things and make things a little bit more scary than you think. So, what was frustrating for me on, on this, uh, this piece versus what I talked about a few months ago mm-hmm. is how... Everyone is always talking about how bad it is that you're getting tracked. Well, I think we also need to do a better job of saying, hey, you can just go in and turn it off. Mm-hmm. Just go click it off. Yeah, you, you signed a, a, a waiver and a disclosure when you activated the app, and mm-hmm. you didn't, no one reads those. Mm-hmm. No. But you scroll all the way you, to the bottom. You, you signed off on it. Yep. You know, you clicked it, so you accepted it, face the consequences of it. Now do your homework and figure out how to go turn that off. It's a feature in all of our um, OSs. It's... It's a big thing in Android. It's a big thing in, in mm-hmm. um, iOS. You just go and click it off. It's not a matter of just turning off your your GPS track, your maps tracking. You right. have to go in and get deeper and turn it off from all your apps. Um, so what was interesting is they interviewed a, a bunch of people. They were able to track down in partnership with some of the tracking uh, companies out here. They uh, interviewed one particular person and followed them around, and she was caught off guard that they could show her daily route from hmm. her... Um, 
her apartment to uh, she was a teacher tracked her to a classroom wow. and then for to like the dermatologist's office and they tracked her over like something like a month period and they saw in a bunch of periods uh where she went and visited her ex-boyfriend and she expressed how embarrassed she was about that wow and uh <laughs> Uh, and the so they totally went over the top on it. Yeah, yeah, they did. They, it, it's a really great piece, and it's it's eye opening for a lot of people. And I suggest you go in and read that. Uh, we'll link back to it. But it's um, at the same time as a digital marketer, this isn't a surprise, you mm-hmm. know. And it's maybe it's I'm privy to this kind of information for the industry that we're in and the work that I do. And it's all about making the internet a better place catered to you and some places paint that as a negative thing some places paint that as a positive thing and I'm in the camp that when uh, treated properly it's a good thing um, when it was treated, treated properly <laughs> yes that's right so halfway through the article or the, the 20 minute podcast this morning they uh, pointed out that the negative side is this data can be sold to uh, places that could possibly hack you or get in and track you and then uh, an example they gave is gave if, if you're an employee at, like, say, a nuclear power plant. They mm. could track when you're not there or they could corrupt you or frame you or, or blackmail you to do something because mm. they know that you're an employee of this because they're tracking your locations on your phone. Mm. So, yeah, they went real big brother on it. Um, I mean, that's what this is. But yeah. they they went a little bit too deep, I think. And, yeah, there's there's the bad people out there, and especially in this world of data hacking and, and um, online manipulation. It is what it is. Is the world we live in now, and you know, Facebook is under the gun for their schemish things they've done in the past. Um, but this is who we are, and I think as as individuals, we're responsible for just going in and toggling that switch off. Right. Um, right. The thing they talked about in here was that um, uh, OS companies, the OS, uh, Android, and iOS, and Apple, are working on. Um, tracking that and coming up with signals. I guess apparently a couple years ago that um, Tim Cook, Apple CEO, Mm -hmm. had decided that they were going to put a notification on the screen anytime your app is using it. So in in Google Maps, I'm not. So I'm I'm an iOS user when I'm using my Google Apps or Google Maps. Mm -hmm. When I'm not in the app, there's a blue bar at the top that tells me that it's running. That Mm. it's using your location. That it's using your location and still showing you where you're at in in the background app. So Tim Cook was going to have that show up on any app that was using your location as wow. a notification. And um, the app makers provided so much pushback <clears throat> that they ended up not doing that. And right now, for me, the only app I use on the regular is is uh, uh, Google Maps that has that blue bar at the top. Mm-hmm. Well, they it's sell that data, right? And yeah, they the sell data, that data. The data's right. worth money. It's, yeah. not, it's not necessarily the app functionality and what you're doing with sure, the app, yeah. per se. Paid or free, the data is worth money. I mean, the right. data is worth money to us as advertisers uh, working on marketing campaigns for clients. I mean, that's, that's sure. Really yeah, the, the big push it. on this was uh, those co- like these big articles like this always take place in the the big cities where foot commuting traffic is such mm-hmm. a large thing, like Manhattan. Mm-hmm. You know, here in West Michigan, we just don't have that same type of right. of uh, detail mm-hmm. and. Um, every 15 foot different mm-hmm. type of advertising options. You know, the example they said is if these um, data conglomerates recognize that at approximately 8.13 every morning you walk by that Starbucks, they're gonna throw a Starbucks ad at you on your yeah. phone. You know, I mean, yeah, you can do that for car traffic and wherever you commute and how you commute, but um, 
there's a whole lot of users outside of the five boroughs, you know, so well, but still, and, and it, it's a, it's a, you get the point. So what does it mean for, what does it mean for digital marketers and advertisers then from your perspective? I, I certainly have opinions on, yeah, it, on my, both the user side and the marketer side. My opinion is, is, uh, um, with great power comes great responsibility. You know, I think use it, use it. Yeah. Thanks, Peter. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, as long as we're doing it on the up and up and you're staying, what we always like to say, uh, black, black hat, white hat, as long uh-huh. as you're, you're staying on the good side of things, you have absolutely nothing to worry about. Yeah, I'm, I, as a consumer, I like it when I am marketed to appropriately and for things that I need. It's hot and heavy right now during the holiday sure. season because everybody's marketers are throwing tons of money at their products to try to push them. But any time of year, I appreciate being marketed to appropriately and I also know that it's not they're not reading my brain you know like you hear mm-hmm. so many people say um, as a marketer myself I think that it is what it is I don't have an opinion left or right because it's a tool that's available to me as a marketer and I'm going to use it to do things on the up and up right I'm not in right. the shady side of things and I'm falling to that camp of I've got nothing to hide so right I'm going to continue doing my job and I'm going to use the tools to my advantage to sell you or show you or inform you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I see no problem with it. You know, there's always going to be cybersecurity issues in anything. This is on one facet of it. I have no problem with, with this data being read one bit whatsoever. Well, and there's rules of engagement too. So unless you're, <clears throat> excuse me, unless you're on the inside, unless you're, you are uh, a marketer. Um, so if you, if you put on your general consumerist, hat for a moment they they don't know they don't understand necessarily because they're not exposed to the data science side of it Mm -hmm. to understand that there are certain things that you can and can't do within that space not to say that there aren't companies out there that know how to get around that i get it but there are certain things in in a google world you know when it comes to google ads uh remarketing and retargeting that you just can't do you know, things that are, are viewed as dangerous, uh, dangerous items, be it um, um, drugs, um, alcohol, tobacco, firearms, etc. There's just certain things, you, you know, those things are all off limits. Um, so regardless of the type of content, if I can tell that you are engaged in that type of content, I can't serve you an ad for my, uh, for my content that is like that. Same time, too, in the healthcare market, it can't follow certain people around based off of specificity. Um, you have to be very, very generalized, and even then, you have to ask, is it, um, is it ethical or not? And usually mm-hmm. ethics runs, <laughs> there can be a gray area depending on the organization, right. but I think, Pat, to your point, it, the question to ask is, does this feel icky? Mm-hmm. Is the word that right. I use. Does it yep. feel icky? Yep. Because if it makes you feel uncomfortable as a marketer, to be able to target people this way, then you need to either you need to view it with a different lens on and say, is this make if this makes me feel uh, uncomfortable targeting people this way? Is that because you know your audience doesn't appreciate being targeted that yeah. way? So if your audience doesn't appreciate being targeted that way and it makes you feel uncomfortable, it's probably something that you shouldn't engage in. Um, at the same tune, to kind of bring it full circle. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, you as an end user, a consumer, are technically in the driver's seat here. For the most for part. The most there will be people that will make comments, oh. Now, remarketing as such has been going on forever. 
It's been done by credit card companies in the form of direct mail, those coupons that show up in your right. in your mailbox, things like that. Tell me a way to opt out of that <laughs> effectively. Tell me a way to opt out of the billboard. Yeah. The digital signage. Right. The, no, there no, this has been going on forever. The the fact of the matter is, is that you're carrying a computer in your pocket now that you interact with countless numbers of times throughout the day. And so that's multiple, multiple, multiple touch points that you have as a marketer to be able to get in front of your audience. Right. And and if anything, it has made that audience more accessible in a, I think, even in a more honest way, to your point. Yeah, target me. I mean, if I fit your demographic, yep. th- throw an ad my way. Yeah. If the oh. ones that frustrate me are the ones, and I, I laugh at them, I think, as a marketer, where I don't think you... Uh, guys, I'm in Michigan. This is for a service in California mm-hmm. and it has nothing to do with anything I'm interested in. Yeah. Regar- and like, I'm even going back through, I'm like, I haven't even looked at that type of content for a client. Like, no, I'm not interested in buying a right. gel cell mattress in Los Angeles. Right. And nope. that's advertisers wasting their money on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the fault mm-hmm. of the advertiser, not tuning it right mm-hmm. it's fault of the advertiser or the media buyer yeah yeah I'm <clears throat> shopping for a gadget for my wife for Christmas right now and I'm, I'm debating between model A and model B mm-hmm. of, from the same brand and I've read a lot of reviews and left and right from different uh, forums and, and I've shopped at different sites for reputation and things like that and the remarketing I'm getting everywhere right now for that gadget is insane until I make that purchase and I start shopping something else Everywhere I go, it's going to be on that simple gadget, mm-hmm. and it's not going to change until I start researching something else. <laughs> right. If you don't right. like what you're seeing on your pop-up ads or mixed into your feeds, just go shop something else for like 20 minutes, and then right. and then your feeds will adjust. Let's just say, I think to, to kind of pull that in, we've experienced this uh, in, in some client work and things like that, where... Um, you know, you can in the certainly in the display world, you can control for the most part where where ads are being positioned in terms of the type of content and type of content you don't want them to be on and exclude them. Where things get dicey is in remarketing campaigns, because you can't control where your user goes after they're on your site. Right. So if you are selling travel or you're selling fun you're selling pools you're selling restaurant uh, uh, you know gift cards things like that and then that person goes and views a forum on I don't know prepping and firearms let's just <laughs> go let's just go super deep here now can we can we exclude those types of pieces of content from from your remarketing campaigns? Absolutely. But when you see the data and you start to see that those ads are converting, as a marketer, as an advertiser, a media buyer, planner, you need to kind of start to peel the layers back and start to have the conversations and say, look, I understand. However, that's a small percentage of your audience and I can't control that your audience, that your users are also into these types of things. Now, it's not adult content, right? I mean, if you've got adult filters on and things like that, that's a whole other conversation we're (laughs) not going to get into. Right. But you have to be able to say, look, 
that person has already been to your site. We can't, we're not targeting them yeah. directly. It is, well, I mean, we are, but it's indirectly in mm-hmm. the sense that you've been to the site, we've tagged you, now you've gone on to read this other type of content. Uh, we stayed in front of you, and oh, by the way, you came in and bought a $100 gift card. Ah. Yeah. I'm not going to turn that right. off, probably. Right. You know? So, what they do on their own time is their own that's business. That's correct. Yep, that's not. So, so in the in the subject of data tracking and following people around and putting ads in front of them when and where they are, there's also the other side of the equation and questioning when and where your user is. Right. And you having to make the, the, the decision on... Hmm, do I want to track that user that far onto that type of site? There's a lot of moving parts. You know, oh, don't want our ads on Breitbart. Yeah. <laughs> but we can remarket to them there because yeah. our audience has been to our site and then goes over there. So, hmm. yeah, good stuff. Interesting. Well, I have a very uh, related topic I wanted to talk mm. about today. Speaking of uh, users being kind of, uh, to some extent, being in control of how their information is used. Um, we've talked in the past about filter bubbles mm-hmm. and how it's easy to be caught up in them and how it can control the kind of information that, that you interact with as a user. Um, we've talked about it in terms of Facebook especially, um, but also in terms of search engines, um, in terms of when Google announced its feed way back last summer. Um, we talked about it in episode nine of the podcast and I'll link to that there. So this is kind of an ongoing conversation in the digital world because users have the freedom to choose what Mm -hmm. they interact with. Totally. And um, so specifically this has come up around how search results can be displayed in a certain way for any given user. Um, So this is talked about, um, referred to as personalized search. And... You may be familiar with DuckDuckGo. We've brought it up a mm-hmm. couple times in the podcast. And it's basically a search engine built around the notion of privacy in search. And That mu- they wouldn't follow you, right? Right, right. And much of their platform seems to be criticizing Google in one way or another, which, which can have its place. And for some people, they may want to use DuckDuckGo uh, for that reason. And uh, DuckDuckGo recently came out with a study accusing Google search results of creating filter bubbles. The title of the study was (laughs) Measuring the Filter Bubble, How Google is Influencing What You Click. And this is, again, in terms of just organic search. This this has nothing to do with the paid search ads. And so, of course, Google has come back and defended themselves, saying that results can differ, um, but usually for non-personalized reasons is, is the language that they used. They said... Um, they also said, we do not personalize search results based on demographic profiles, nor create such profiles for use in Google search. So again, this is separate. This is organic search only. When it comes to ads, those demographics can come into play. Um, so then we have to think about how Google will use your account-based activity. So if you're signed in as a Google user, they're going to use your search history or how you've interacted mm-hmm. with Uh, certain sources through the Google apps Um, and this is to give you a better user experience Um, their language is to give you faster searches better recommendations and more personalized experiences in maps search and other Google services and so again going back to Pat's point that the 
power is basically in your hands, you can turn these things off to some extent. Mm -hmm. And so there's, um, there's a setting in your Google account that you can disable that they won't use um, your account-based activity for, for your search results. But then there's the other factors that do result in two different people having different search results for the same thing. And that could be the searcher's location, as we've covered many times before, um, their language. So if someone is searching for something in Spanish, their intent is probably different than someone who's searching for something in English, the mm -hmm. same thing. And then um, even the data center is being accessed for the information. The time the search is performed, specifically for anything that has any sort of timely nature, oh, yeah. of course. And then the device used. So um, there was a recap of this, of Google's response at least, in a series of tweets that was recapped on Search Engine Roundtable. We'll link to that in the show notes. But I just thought that that was a good segue to... So DuckDuckGo also got called out on that too, and the whole filter bubble thing. So the yeah, other, the other side of the story too. is, uh, I think there were... Uh, another a number of other industry professionals. It was it was kind of after this piece came out. Um, I was actually hoping that that was the route you were going to go. Mm. Uh, was that um, they pride they very much pride themselves on this whole privacy side of things and and this I'm going to call it anti filter bubble filter results when in fact there were a number of other industry professionals that more or less were able to debunk that and get damn near the same exact results that Google was showing hmm. on DuckDuckGo. Hmm. So um, I think the correlation that people were making there, um, correlation is probably not even the right word, but um, questioning if the algorithms function similarly hmm. uh, in terms of the results that they were able to show and, and the way that they, um, they were filtering results or not filtering results. So take that for what it is, but hmm. yeah. Basically, hypocritical or not. But. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> cool. Oh, man, privacy. Yeah. Let's bring it back around on a bright <laughs> subject, shall we? Uh, so if you're super geeky into SEO like we are here, um, then you tend to follow some, you know, I think heavy-hitting industry folks closely like Google's John Mueller and Gary Illies, um, just like people probably did with Matt Cutts years ago. Um, so a subject that continues to surface again and again I have no idea why, but for those working in technical on-page SEO, this is a question that will come up, and uh, it is one of uh, keywords and or word usage in the URLs, and are they important? So there was a series of, of tweets that kind of came out after um, uh, Webmaster Trends, uh, Webmaster, uh, I call them office, office hours, if you will, John, John Mueller jumps on and... Uh, a few people can join in, and they they fire questions uh, away. Uh, so it, recently, this was last week, December sixth. There was a, uh, a message that, that came out about um, internal discussions that was going on at this gentleman's agency on um, an old Matt Cutts uh, piece going back to two thousand nine, mm -hmm. where he talks about four or five keywords, and later about four or five words. Um, used in a, in a URL. Um, this guy referred to them as fill words with no limitations. Okay, first and foremost, keywords, words. It's the same damn thing, okay? Keyword, phrase, <laughs> words. To most of us in the SEO world, it's the same thing. Um, anyways, the question was, is, is there um, 
was there a limitation? That's what the question is, is was there a limitation? John responds with, I wouldn't worry about keywords or words in a URL. In many cases, URLs aren't seen by users anyway. Okay, so... If you read deeper, and we'll link to the tweet, uh, you know, thanks, good answer. Okay, Oliver. Um, I think there's some good things. I always like reading comments on blog posts mm. and, and reading deeper into a tweet. Um, you know, if, if we're talking about URLs for the user, I agree 50-50 on this. If we're talking about URLs for search and having keywords included in them, I disagree. And John doesn't allude to that, right? This is very much a yeah. user-centered right. uh, Q&A that's going on here. On the user side, um, by default, like Safari won't show the full URL, um, just the root domain. Most mobile browsers will only show mm. the URL, right? You have mm-hmm. to kind of hunt and peck, if you will, to get the full mm-hmm. uh, um, URL. So from a user perspective, do they, do they care? I would agree 50-50 that most probably don't care. Um, I would say that we still all prefer a clean URL structure. I think from a consumer confidence perspective, you're you're more inclined to you know have yeah. something that's a clean URL. Now, the title is very much highlighted in search. The description takes over a lot of real estate. Odds are you're seeing the URL as third or fourth. Um, to your eye in terms of what you're drawn into from a user experience perspective. But so to John's point, yes, user side, eh, maybe, maybe doesn't make, make that much of a difference, but let's talk about keyword usage in the URL. Um, still to this day, we're very much a, a follower of the idea that from a structure perspective, the cleanest URL possible is going to be the best. It doesn't have to be, we don't really get bent out of shape about the length of the URL anymore. We used to, um, but it's more, does it have a logical float? Yeah, I think you right? said clean. I think it, uh, then you just follow up with logical. I think logical would maybe take precedence over clean because clean might apply short. Sometimes yeah, short true. just doesn't yeah. get it. Yeah, or, or um, you know, minimizing the number of, oddball characters right. and, and things like mm-hmm. that that are yeah. put into play there. There are certainly some CMSs that get away with it, and Google will index that. That's fine, but if if you can have a nice, clean, logical flow to the URL, that's right. still going to be best. So, um, And that goes into when you're either mapping a site out brand new, making major changes, think about the directory, subdirectory uh, type relationships and the hierarchy that still exists and where those products, categories, subject matters live. I think is important, um, again, less on the user side, more still on the search engine side. There are certainly other technical SEOs that will argue that point that now we can handle that with uh, a sitemap or robots TXT file, but I think keep it clean. Um, it, certainly it's going to help you as you're mapping things out. So if anything, yeah. you're doing it for yourself to organize the damn thing. You know, If you're dealing with a site that has a thousand pages on it, and it's e-commerce or it has multiple product categories or service categories and line items under it, you've, you've got to have a clean, logical flow to got it. To. Or you are going to get lost. Right. You yourself are going to get lost. Forget the end user for a moment and think about yourself Internal and organizing it yeah. and, and editing those pages and those posts. Yeah. Uh, a clean URL structure like that would, would be great. And I think that if you're going through a restructure of a site, um, 
you're kind of a, I don't know, I think you're a little bit of a fool to not include a couple keywords in there. You know, I'm not saying you're going to rush right out and change the entire structure because you want to jam those, those phrases in mm -hmm. there. But if you have the opportunity to and you're updating a bunch of things anyways or that, that URL structure or string has to change, why not clean it up and make sure that it's on point with whatever that page content is Agreed. about? So um, just kind of a good reminder, I think, to some people that's a no-brainer. But when you start to see these, these types of conversations come out from, uh, from John at Google, um, it's easy to understand how people can construe that as something other than what it really is. Yeah, don't use keywords. Yeah, well. yeah, don't use keywords in my URL. What are you talking about? No, 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 if no. If someone no, no. from Google breathes funny, they're gonna start making <laughs> this <clears throat> speculation. This is true. This is true. We'll we'll copy and and link to that uh, and link to that their uh, uh, that their tweet. Uh, we'll link to the link to the tweet, and uh, so that came up in one of John's office hours uh, recently, and. Uh, it's uh, it's worth checking out, and even if we can find the the video, we'll link to that too. So so that's what I've got. Cool. Good stuff. So a few more shopping days left. Get out there, <laughs> get your uh, get your online spend on, and uh, and get followed to Pat's uh, opening point. You know? Right. See how you get followed. Make tr make note of it. If you're super geeky into the science behind it, get a scratch pad. Make a note of the different types of brands that are following you around, and see if that. Uh, maps out with your own persona. Interesting. That would be a fun exercise, mm -hmm. but I'm weird like that too. So. <laughs> All right, cool. Thank you guys for contributing and until next time, good luck. This has been the Redirect Podcast. Check out the show notes at blacktruckmedia.com and add us on iTunes and Stitcher.